Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Kale Weissman. I'm the editor here at Modern Retail, and I'm joined with Richard Dixon, the COO and president of Mattel. And I'm excited to talk about the wide world of, of toys and also just being a part of such a big brand during such a weird time in business history. But uh, hey, Richard, how's it going? Thanks for joining us. It's good, Kale. Thank you for having me. It is a weird time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's that's the only word I've come I've coalesced on when I talk about like pretty much anything that's going on. Um, but I know that you've had sort of a long and uh, interesting history with Mattel. So I, I wanted to start with just sort of getting sort of the history of you with the company, we, them go into sort of your role now. How does that sound? Yeah, it sounds good. Um, I, I do have a storied history with Mattel. Really <laughs> lucky to be part of uh, such an amazing company. I'm in my, let's call it second chapter at Mattel. I was... Uh, I was at Mattel uh, for almost 10 years from 2000 to through 2009. I left for almost five years and then returned um, to Mattel uh, for this chapter, which has been an extraordinary one. Um, Obviously, you know, part of our 75 year history, there's always lots of different dramatic moments that happen in any company, but it's been a, a wild and exciting run thus far. So when you came back, what was sort of your mandate with the company? What, how, how do you describe what you've been trying to achieve over the last few years? Well, I think, you know, it's, it's truly the mandate of any chapter of leadership, uh, particularly in a company that has such legacy. But, you know, I returned to Mattel to help uh, rejuvenate uh, and revitalize some of our most iconic franchises. I'm really interested in the word revitalize, specifically because so many of those brands have been around for so long and they're so they're just so well known in sort of our cultural history. And so when you when you talk about revitalizing a brand like Hot Wheels or Barbie or something like that, is that in terms of the branding itself? Is that about sort of the how you approach it digitally? Sort of what, what are the, the general levers you push or you pull, I should say, uh, when, you know, so many people expect a certain brand to be a certain way and, you know, that's what they grew up with? Look, uh, it, there, there, there's an art and a science to it. You know, ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, and all of it evolves and revolves around consumers. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, the epicenter of any revitalization strategy for any brand is about what the consumer thinks and what the consumer expects from your brands. In addition to that, the study of what's happening in culture and, and how do you essentially translate your brand to a cultural conversation uh, something that you know a brand with authenticity can relate to uh, and be part of uh, and ultimately drive a pop culture conversation you know, you know the, these are great examples of I think uh, and there are many revitalization stories out there but ultimately I think today as we look at some of Mattel's most iconic and important franchises Barbie is a great case study You know, Barbie is part of the pop culture conversation and the transformation work that our team has done uh, keeping Barbie relevant after 62 years uh, is a testament to that formula and I think continues to be applied to all of our other brands. Um, Relevance is incredibly important today and being where your consumers are. And today, to be honest, it's platform agnostic. They're everywhere. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah. your, your brands are accessible no matter where a consumer goes uh, from a digital perspective. So you really need to um, maintain that, that current conversation 
uh, no matter where they are. I imagine that agnosticism has become even more apparent now uh, with every, you know, with lockdowns, people shut down at home, especially in terms of where people are buying their toys. So can you talk about just sort of how your role has changed with how you're approaching marketing and talking about these brands specifically in the last six months? Well, well for sure. Um, and, and I would say it's constantly changing. But, you know, to, to understand the dramatic uh, differences, it's, it's almost you know, helps going back to the origins of the company. I mean, it's a 75-year-old creations company that started in a garage uh, and ultimately defined through its invention some of the most important pop culture brands in history. Um, But, you know, when you look at the mechanics of what got us there, um, you know, television was just coming on the scene, you know, and and our founders bet everything uh, from a marketing perspective perspective on their entrepreneurial friend down the block, Walt Disney's channel, um, which at the time was very unknown. Uh, At the time also, it was about, you know, stores and getting shelf space. And Saturday morning cartoons became where you, you know, ultimately drove commercial success uh, and awareness of your brands. Throughout all of these changes, Mattel has been on the forefront of taking risk. And ultimately, continuing to be where our consumers are means today being everywhere, Uh, recognizing that our brands, our stories need to be be told on all platforms that are relevant to our consumers. Short form content on YouTube and various different digital dialogues, uh, building storytelling in uh, long form content and having shows on Netflix and movies, digital gaming, you know, various other ways that we become part of our consumers' lives in an authentic way that ultimately drives our business. Um, All of this continues to evolve, and certainly the last six months have really changed uh, our perspective as more and more parents, you know, and uh, kids stay at home, as parents need tools uh, to help their kids stay occupied, uh, as parents value play more and more from a developmental perspective, whether it's cognitive, social, emotional, or physical development, uh, how we portray the value of our products through that need that consumers have, and ultimately making sure that no matter what happens, our consumer, our most important consumer, our our, our kid, uh, is having fun. Um, because ultimately that's what toys toys should do is create incredible memories laughter and uh and lots of uh lots of fun along the way of development. Were there any specific sort of platforms or places where you were reaching consumers recently that sort of caught you by surprise that you really dug into that were seeing increased engagement or just sort of a little blip that you didn't expect? Well, I'll tell you, you know, in in late March, um, you know, when when COVID-19 was really having significant impact on all of our lives, uh, we listened to our consumer. Uh, As I said, we we start with a consumer first insight and recognizing that our parents needed um, a a place, a meaningful place that they can go to uh, for, for play tips, for products, to download some content, activities, arts and crafts. Um, and ultimately be a place that they can use as a hub of play. Mattel created uh, the Mattel Playroom, which uh, ultimately became a digital destination that encourages uh, how to keep kids playing. Uh, And we developed activities, content, uh, various different ways that kids could have fun uh, with the site and parents could learn and get tips uh, of how to 
occupy their kids in a meaningful way and ultimately learn more about the value of play. We we did this purely out of um, out of what we believed our consumers needed from us at that particular time, and have been incredibly pleasantly surprised at how much we've created a dialogue with parents, uh, and how good and important that dialogue is. And it's only getting more and more significant as obviously you know all of our lives continue to be pretty uh, significantly changed by what's happened. I imagine that's a, a first-party data goldmine in terms of just how the kids are engaging, what the parents need, and what, what the sort of places you're going with that. It, it, it certainly provides us with insights uh, on a daily basis that we would not have otherwise uh, achieved. So I wanted to sort of go into that because I know that you, you have Mattel has a few different platforms that you're working with. Can you talk just sort of around the strategy of your digital platforms? Uh, is it, you know, A, you know, beyond... Uh, beyond this one, what are the other ones that you've been working on? And is it is it just sort of meeting customers where they are and providing a good experience? Is it so that you can do product development? Are you how much are you hoping to grow, say, a DTC channel? You know, especially since I imagine you know other channels are are much bigger in volume. But you know, how how do you sort of approach your general d- digital platform strategy? Yeah, for the for the most part, it's been centered around demand creation. So ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, driving more awareness, uh, more connectivity, uh, you know, moving or pushing content out through digital platforms, um, as well as um, recognizing that social media influencers, various different ways that we can partner, um, can drive uh, awareness and ultimately, you know, uh, demand uh, for our products. In addition to that, we work very closely with our retail partners uh, on on their marketing programs and collaborating our marketing programs with them to ultimately mm-hmm. drive conversion. Um, and so, you know, there there obviously is a demand creation strategy to where digital and the digital dialogue is incredibly important. <clears throat> In addition to that, you know, uh, I think everyone has seen the the, the explosive growth in e commerce. <clears throat> and, you know, DTC is, uh, you know, one aspect of e-commerce. We, of course, have great partnerships with e-commerce partners around the world through our own e-commerce channels, particularly American Girl. One of our, yeah. you know, premier brands is is our own stores and, and our own uh, e-commerce business has done extraordinarily well uh, during this time and continues to gain more and more traction. And we see DTC as an evolving space for us uh, of opportunity. You know, each one of our brands has uh, certainly a channel and a communication mechanism through e-commerce and some content. But we believe over time that will be accelerated and represent an even greater opportunity for consumers to learn about our brands, to find exclusive product, to uh, to be exposed to curated uh, content. Uh, that we know our consumers are going to be um, looking for. Uh, and we're recently uh, really excited to launch a new DTC brand called Mattel Creations, uh, mm. which is ultimately really the first time that we're aggregating some of the exciting collectible and uh, um, more adult-driven opportunities uh, for Mattel. You know, our brands are a canvas for lots of collaborations and conversations to be had. And this will be the first time that we're introducing it um, in a really meaningful way uh, to drive commerce and content on a digital platform called Mattel Creations, which is the original name of the company. Um, 
that will uh, represent, I think, a really exciting part of the next chapter of growth for us. So what kind of products would be on Mattel Creations? Well, there's going to be lots of different products, as you can imagine. Mattel, if you, if you, if you really, I mean, this is going to be probably a shocker, but we have over 400 brands at Mattel. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's a lot of brands. And that means we've touched a lot of people's lives uh, through, for 75 years. And when we offer, you know, the, the sort of keys to come into the, to the castle here and explore with collaborators what brand they would like to work with, you can imagine, you know, from Magic 8-Ball to Barbie to Uno to Pictionary uh, to Masters of the Universe to Major Matt Mason to Chatty Cathy to CNSA from Fisher-Price. Um, these are incredible brands that have emotional connection to some of the most famous and recognized pop culture curators of our time. Uh, we've partnered, uh, of course, with the likes of Travis Scott and Hot Wheels recently, even uh, Kylie Jenner partnered with Uno. You know, these are these are fun ways to create surprising collaborations that will both surprise people and also provide them with um, access to products that they never would have thought uh, accessible before. In addition to which, we're working with our entertainment partners uh, to create really authentic and new um, versions of, uh, of very favored brands. And we'll be presenting that in new and exciting ways uh, to our community. But we'll really be a new collector community with content and commerce celebrating uh, the world of play. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Has Mattel ever tried to sort of create a hub specifically for co collectibles like this? Because I imagine like usually, I don't know, it's you know, a, a new product comes out, it, it gets a, a, an, an audience that people are interested in. And then, you know, the, the collectible community sort of comes in after the fact on eBay or something like that. So have you ever attempted to tap into this before? Or is this sort of a, a new terrain for you? You know, collectors and collectability is not, it's not new at all at Mattel. In mm -hmm. fact, we have amazing collector, uh, collectors mm -hmm. and, and collector fan clubs and uh, lots of mm -hmm. heritage through brands like Barbie.com and Hot Wheels.com in particular, We've got some great collector programs, uh, but this is the first time that we've created a brand, Mattel Creations, that will mm -hmm. aggregate um, all of the different brands that we have to be presented and featured in such a new and exciting way. Uh, we are not going to change the, the Barbie and Hot Wheels collector orientations. What we're going to do is enhance and add a whole new curated um, uh, form of collectability including those brands, but extending uh, into all of our brands in new and exciting ways. So we've been in the space, but never really in a way that is as, um, um, I'd say, modern and uh, specifically presented around Mattel's entire portfolio. Do you view this as sort of the first opportunity of many where you can sort of in one place uh, have these sort of collaborations work with these entertainment partners? How like is that is is that sort of the the general current when you when you aggregate all of these brands together? Yeah, I think you know it's going to be a surprising place for you to see a wide range of um, different collaborations uh, and collectibles. Um, mm -hmm. You know, from one of a kinds to very limited edition runs. And today, you know toys uh, can be considered art and art is inspired by toys. 
Um, there are many artists who are excited to work with Mattel using our brands as a canvas. And then the fans of that artist are then exposed to that product and toy in a new way that ne they never would have thought of before. And so it's a really interesting new way of creating really art. Um, and, and we like to think, particularly from an engineering and pop culture perspective, uh, that this will be a really fun dialogue with new consumers, will grow a new business that is already mm -hmm. um, a, proven, uh, a proven form of commerce, and will also celebrate the design heritage that built Mattel. You know, a, a, above the garage door where, you know, Mattel was founded was the name Mattel Creations. And just by virtue of that name, you know, we're a creations company about creators and the spirit of invention, which built this company, is now going to be shared uh, with, you know, all these different collaborators around the world, including celebrating our own design community, which I'm particularly excited to, to share with the world. How do you go about figuring out which collaborations you, you want to do? I imagine there are thousands, if not millions, of different people in the world who would love to work with Mattel to get that kind of, you know brand collaboration going. Is this completely data-driven? Is it that you see that people are resonating with this type of person, this type of artist, or is it that, you know, how do you go about sort of incubating that relationship? You know, there's not a formula. I, I would tell you that it's a balance of art and science. You know, much of what, you know, creates success is the ability to curate um, around what's happening in pop culture and to some extent invite pop culture artists into Mattel to collaborate and create together. Um, in order for anything to work from a brand perspective, it has to be authentic. And so just because you want it to happen doesn't necessarily mean it's going to, or if it does, that it's successful. And so part of understanding that is being a, being a student of pop culture, uh, respecting it and respecting the creative process uh, that goes with it, in addition to that, the science. So yes, there's definitely data uh, that we are going to be using and always use to understand likes and dislikes and what essentially people are looking for, uh, pent up demand for a particular replica or a collaboration that people would love to see happen. I think today in particular, you know, brands that only have monologues will be more extinct uh, than revitalized. And so if you don't have a brand dialogue, uh, you're in trouble. And so the form of this platform should be a brand dialogue. And with that, there'll be even more surprising collaborations that are born from that dialogue. And we'll see, we'll see where that takes us. So how do you measure success for a platform like this? Because, you know, uh, for a company as big with hundreds of brands as Mattel, uh, uh, you know, D a DTC platform, I imagine, will be a drop in the bucket in terms of volume, which I'm sure is fine with you, fine with you just in terms of how you approach this. So is this just the kind of engagement you get with the, with the sales, the kinds of collaborations you do, what are you looking at in terms of metrics for as a big company launching a quote unquote DTC platform? What, what will, what will show what works? Yeah. Well, look today, I, I, I can assure you that there's no drop in the bucket that we take for granted. So I'm sure. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> so any volume is, is, is good volume for us in the context of sales. And we believe in fact, know that this space um, adult collectors in particular, um, is a, a, a lucrative space for us to be in. 
we already have a really nice collector business and following for our brands. And we think with that uh, and this platform accelerating it in a modern new way with a destination that actually curates even more with a drop uh, almost a week um, that you can imagine if you multiply that out times 52 weeks and some of the volume uh, that we're going to be doing off of some of these drops, it does represent um, a really significant opportunity for us um, as a business. In addition to which, uh, the success is also going to be about learning and getting insights from the consumers that come to Mattel Creations around creativity, what inspires them? What do they want to see more of? What do they think of our brands? Um, and many of them may even be parents. And so we're going to get a lot more insight around the impact uh, of some of these brands and the generational impact that they have over time. And last but not least, we really believe it's an opportunity to um, uh, present Mattel uh, in its 75th year with a nod to the future. And celebrating design, creativity, pop culture uh, is all part of the formula that keeps Mattel relevant. And ultimately, we believe that this will attract new partnerships, uh, create inspiring new product, and ultimately create a new uh, perception of Mattel as a modern day creations company. So you mentioned earlier that, you know, many people know this or everyone knows this, that e-commerce has been booming over the last six months. And you, like with Mattel specifically, e-commerce has been a huge, uh, seen huge growth and acceleration. Uh, as a company that for so long has relied, you know, or has worked in tandem with retailers, and a lot of them were sort of caught, I don't know, flat-footed is the right word, but many of them didn't have the right infrastructure in place to deal with such growing digital demand. How have you sort of worked with retailers, sort of getting them, figuring out how best to go about this when so the sort of the channel dynamics shifted so quickly? Well, you know, we have a great relationship with our uh, retail partners and have had a historic relationship with e-commerce platforms or partners like Amazon. Um, and so mm -hmm. we are we are very versed in the space. It's always been um, an important part of our certainly growth uh, and particularly now, uh, given the trend, um, you know, we have a, a robust digital asset management system. We've got incredible talent uh, that we have uh, cultivated over the years and continue to recruit uh, that have a digital first uh, mindset. And as we have evolved, even our demand creation model, our partnerships, the way that we do business, the way that we're doing business now, working from home. Um, the, you know, the digital dialogue extends into everything that we do. Uh, and by having a digital first mindset, um, it's changed the cultural perspective and comfort level around digital. Uh, and ultimately, I think that we've done um, a really good job uh, evolving uh, into a digital dialogue. Uh, but there's a lot more opportunity ahead. And as we look at DTC as an example, you know, there's, you know, a lot of business opportunity uh, and dialogue uh, that we could have with our consumers and our retail partners. You know, our retail partners are also doing, you know, significant business on e-commerce. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, U.S. brands like Target and certainly Walmart is doing incredibly well and Amazon. And, and as we work around the world, we're finding e-commerce to be front and center to all the dialogue that we're having with our customers. Do you approach sort of, given that you have so many brands, uh, so when you're specifically when you're talking about 
different channels and this could be like we're gonna be talking about this on the marketing front is that do you do that on a channel by channel basis or on a brand by brand basis so like if you're talking about looking at facebook or looking at instagram or, or different places like that or looking at amazon how do you how do you sort of approach that when you have so many different very specific brands and so many different strategies tied to each one of these channels yeah kale that's a it's a great question because you know our brands are very different from each other mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know while they all sit under the category of toy um, you can imagine, you know, a, 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 whether it's a specific toy um, by age, which is very different. You know, a two-year-old is very different from the six-year-old. Uh, a boy is very different from a girl. Um, and in the context of today, we're, we're really trying to be a bit more gender neutral in the way that we present our toys and the ability for a play-all strategy or a strategic approach. So um, it, it is, there is not a cookie-cutter approach to it at all. Um, and when you layer on that we are, to some extent, a kid-demanded, mom-approved model, um, we've got to talk to these audiences at the same time with very different messages. You know, for parents, it's about the value of play. It's about safety. It's about quality. Uh, it's about the assurance of um, the narrative of our brands. Uh, it's about the protection that parents want uh, when visiting a, a digital dialogue that any of our brands represent. Um, so that piece uh, requires uh, the skill set, talent, and execution with that audience in mind. And then at the same time, we're appealing to kids. So we need to be on all the platforms they are. And by the way, kids are not on Facebook. You know, I mean, that yeah, is, that is a dialogue true. for parents. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got to be where kids are, speaking to them in kid language, using our brands uh, to be relevant. And so these are incredibly sophisticated dialogues happening concurrently um, within our within our portfolio, and so it takes uh, extraordinary talent uh, within the company, and it takes extraordinary partnerships outside the company. We work with incredible people and agencies that all help us um, execute against that type of dialogue. What is the ultimate kid channel? I imagine back in my day, it was like Nickelodeon or something like, you know, like being on TV and like watching that. Uh, but I don't, I don't, I, I mean, I have a niece, but I haven't asked her like w- what she's interfacing with. What, what, where has that gone? Is specifically now that there people are, you know, they're not as, they're not in school, many kids. It's just a completely different environment now. Yeah. Well, as I said, you know, to some extent, as we, as we recognize it's, a, it's almost platform agnostic. Uh, where kids and and we as adults can get information anywhere at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, YouTube has uh, and kids YouTube has has proved to be you know a, a hugely important channel for us, um, and obviously it continues to grow and and accelerate. Uh, if for both short form content, long form content, various different ways that we partner with influencers who have their own channels, uh, we've developed Hot Wheels to be the number one. Uh, toy channel for boys uh, through uh, the work that we've done on creating content on YouTube and on all of our brands have uh, incredible presence. That being said, you know, Nickelodeon is still very viable and has some great content. Uh, theatricals, while we're not going to movies right now, starts to translate into, you know, online events. Uh, uh, digital gaming is a, a new form of content. Hot Wheels uh, is integrated into some of the most and coolest digital racing games out there. Uh, so bluntly, again, you know, when you think about it, we're, we're looking everywhere our consumers are. 
but I would probably call YouTube um, to be the, the, the one that has accelerated the most um, in, the, in the last several years. Richard, this has been a, a really amazing conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Kale, very much. I appreciate all the good questions and, uh, and a chance to talk about what is my very fun job. <laughs> and thank you for listening to the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday Media. Our theme music was produced by Pierre Bienname. Ben Elman produced this episode. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and head to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review and a rating. See you next week. Thank <music> you.